There's certain phrases that we can look at that are actually you telling a story around what the reality is. And you can choose to write a different story, which will then create something different in your experience. If you're ready to say yes to your wealthiest and most abundant life, overflowing bank accounts, and a deep sense of inner fulfillment, well, then you are definitely in the right place. Welcome to the Girl Unfiltered podcast. I'm your host, Helena Grace Donald, and I'm a money mindset expert, success, and business coach. But really, all you need to know is that I am obsessed with helping women feel safe and in total flow around money. So let's do this. Hello, lovelies, and welcome back to the Girl Unfiltered podcast. And do I have a treat for you with this conversation today. Oh my gosh, what a treat and pleasure it was for me to even have this conversation with the woman that we are joined by on the Girl Unfiltered podcast today. We are welcoming a powerful, powerful woman named Makosi, who is also known as the Royal Shaman. Yes, today's conversation is with a legit shaman and what was so beautiful about having this experience and having this conversation with her is i just felt like it was one of those raw deep truthful conversations that didn't just skim the surface level i felt like we just went straight into it and we could have probably gone 500 layers deeper but we'll have to save that for another episode So let me just tell you a little bit about who uh, Makosi is. So she is a pioneer and a truth seeker in the domain of personal development. And she is a fully initiated Zulu shaman. And she trained in ancient Egyptian spirituality. So this doesn't mean like she's just labeled herself a shaman one day, woken up and decided that's what she is. No, this is years of training years of learning and and years of initiations in order for her to even call herself a Zulu shaman. And she helps people like us, seekers who want to fulfill their highest potential, really understand and master mindfulness and metaphysics. So you can probably guess (laughs) what this conversation is going to have in store for you. Because we discuss things like the actual workings of the universe, what abundance actually means, how our perception literally alters our reality, which is something that I have been diving more into this year. And it just absolutely like fascinates me and I totally geek out on, geek out on it. And we talked about the energy of money. We even talked about ancestral trauma and how it plays a role in our programming how we can communicate with the wisdom of our ancestors and so, so much more. So without further ado, let's lean into this beautiful unfiltered conversation together. Makosi, I cannot even begin to explain how honored and excited I am just not only to have you on the Girl Unfiltered podcast, especially as the first ever shaman on the podcast, but also to spend the next 45 minutes or so in conversation with you and the powerful energy that you hold space for. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited for whatever decides to show up today. For sure. We'll leave it up to the divine universe, whatever we're meant to flow through. Um, I asked some of my community when I knew that you were, you were going to come on the podcast. And I said, if you could ask a shaman anything, what would you love to ask them? And I have to say that the first question that everyone wanted to ask, which is probably the place we should begin, is what is a shaman. Yes. <laughs> so could you explain what that role is? <laughs> yeah, that's the perfect question to start with because there's so much misunderstanding around what a shaman is. So many people believe that a shaman is an herbalist because most of our association with the shaman has to do with plant medicine. And while that can be true, it's not necessarily the case. In fact, there are different kinds of shamans. So a shaman just in general is someone who has been trained and also called 
to serve as the bridge between the physical and the non-physical realms in a very particular way that's a little bit different than, say, um, a medium. It is more um, centered around healing, but also a shaman has the gift to do what we call divining, which is to be able to see and interpret the root cause of problems and also be able to bring forth what the solution is for those problems. Wow, that's really powerful. And I would love for you to just share a little bit because I've heard in snippets, uh, listening to various interviews that you've done about the process that actually went into becoming the shaman that you are today. It's not something that you have labeled yourself with and decided today I'm a shaman. There's a process, there's a lot involved in it with training and rituals. So could you just give us an insight into what that looked like for you, that process? Sure. Yeah. For me, uh, my very first initiation. So initiation is the process that makes a shaman, a shaman. Mm -hmm. And there are many different kinds of initiations in indigenous and, and ancient spiritual systems. Initiation is kind of like a foundational component. So the majority of people in those systems go through some sort of initiation. And, and we could say all of us go through an initiation in life in general, but there is a specific process that happens when you're called to this work. And it depends on the kinds of spirits that you have, which will be made evident by how you work or the kind of work that you're able to do as a shaman. So um, my first initiation was a more foundational initiation. So I spent three years in initiation into what you would call the ancient Egyptian mystery schools. And I did that with the Dogon of West Africa. And so that looked like a very different shift in in transformation of lifestyle and way of of being and way of perceiving the world, my, my paradigm shift. And then from there, um, during that time, we're having readings done, things are unfolding and being manifested in, in real life, synchronicities and dreams led me to understand that I was called to be a shaman and go through actual initiation to become one. And then I spent total, it was about five years from start to when I finally graduated and became a shaman. But I've completed a total of eight initiations to this day. And seven of those were initiations into particular spirits and and modalities. I'm I'm sure that we could have a half a day conversation about and still not skim the surface on of all of the things that you discovered in that process. But I thank you for sharing that insight because I think it's a process that not a lot of people understand or know about. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's probably not the typical route for a girl growing up in West Virginia to probably go down. I believe you that was where you grew up in West Virginia. If I yes. my research is correct. Was your spirituality and your connection to the universe or source or however you like to explain it always something you were very conscious of? Or do you feel like it was something that you woke up to during a season of your life? Yeah, for me, I had very significant spiritual experiences as a little girl. I I actually was born remembering who I was. I mean, going all the way back. I remember all the way back to being two, two years old. And I would tell my mom things about who I was before, teaching all kinds of different things that I shouldn't have known (laughs) as a little girl. But for me, I tried to discredit a lot of my my knowing or my seeing because for me, my focus was really on getting out of the situation that I was in. So I grew up very poor in a very small town that was mostly white. And so I, I was mixed race growing up in a very racist experience. I experienced a lot of racism as a kid. And so for me, it was like, how do I, number one, make sure that I don't become a statistic? Yeah. I was kind of rebellious against being a statistic because my mom was a single teen mom and I just wanted to prove something, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I was very focused on academics. However, 
as I began to have different experiences with college and different people's expectations and judgments, I began to realize like, wait a minute, why am I doing this? Like, where is this coming from? And there has to be something deeper that I'm missing. There has to be a a bigger meaning. And my spiritual gifts began to develop stronger and stronger and stronger until they, they basically took over my life to where I was like, I have to figure this thing out. My health was declining. My sanity was not (laughs) all the way there because I was just so confused in those years. So it was really just a following of the breadcrumbs that's gotten me here. And during, while you're picking up each piece of the, the breadcrumb, I love that analogy. Were you conscious of having to release the ideas and the programming and the beliefs that you were being told was life and was how it has to be for somebody growing up in the environment that you grew up in, what work means, what money means, what life means, what spirit means? Was that something you were actively doing and conscious of? Yeah, I actually started personal development work and exploring mindset and patterns and psychology when I was 15 years old. Me too. Oh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah when I was 15, my best friend was murdered. And wow. that was just incredibly jarring to, I mean, I was, I was just a kid. Yeah. And I began to question because here she was, she was murdered by her boyfriend and I was 15 years old, you know, all into boys. And I was all into boys of the same caliber. And so I began to question certain traumatic experiences I had as a child, being molested as a child, being being, um, poor, so on and so forth, the racism. I began to question how I was behaving and where that was coming from and how she had gotten to this place. And it ultimately resulted in the end of her life I was like, oh, that's, that's not going to be me. I need to figure mm-hmm. out, I need to figure this out and, and how this is happening and how I can break these patterns. I have to interrupt this podcast for just a few moments, ladies, because there is something very exciting happening in just a few days. Between the 14th and the 18th of June, I am hosting and running my epic five-day money magnet bootcamp. This is something that I do once a year and it is absolutely powerful and filled with magic. And I would love for you to join me. If you haven't already done so and you haven't signed up yet, then pause this podcast for just 15 seconds and head to the link where you can reserve your spot in the show notes below. During this five-day bootcamp, I will be coaching you live Yes, live. And did I mention that it's free? (laughs) It's an amazing, amazing opportunity to come together with like-minded, powerful women who are ready to up-level and for you to step into a really powerful, magical vortex of abundance in which you can't help but up-level when you come out of the other side of it. So run, don't walk, to the link that's in the show notes and make sure that you reserve your spot because we are kicking things off on the 14th of June. This will be an incredible opportunity for you to uncover those inner hidden money blocks and step into a whole new money paradigm. So if you're ready to say yes to wealth, abundance and prosperity, then you better join me in this incredible, powerful five days. And I can't wait to see you there. I would love to talk about how you see things working in the way, the unique way that you view the world, because I feel like we are surrounded by programming and a world that is telling us what is and what should be. And I do believe very powerfully that it disconnects us from our truth and the power and the source that lives within us. And I'm on that quest and I'm on that journey and I want more people to know about it, hence the podcast. And I do believe that abundance is 100% our birthright. But from your perspective, 
how can we consistently know that as our truth in a world that is telling us what our identity is and what their version of truth is? I know that's a very loaded question, but I know you're prepared to probably answer it. <laughs> yeah, you, you asked me a question that's literally like an entire course. <laughs> we need right, a course for sure, this. for sure. <laughs> Let's break it down. <laughs> Let's break it down into like simplistic terms. So in, from my perspective, number one, we all have individual power of, of manifestation and, and creation and expression but we also are in a reality that is co-created. And I, in my perception, what I choose to believe, because I've just seen it as being the most serving, is that we choose certain situations to experience certain times, certain places, meeting pe certain people, so on and so forth, to provide us with the potential for an experience that will align with the kind of experience that our soul actually wants to experience or, or transform or expand through. There also is the other side as well in that we have free will. We have free will. So I see it as, I, I see everything as being a both and consciousness. This is a both and universe where there are certain aspects of our experience that are kind of set in stone and then there are others that are based in free will and flexibility and our ability to be creators and to manifest and to create the reality that all of us are experiencing together. So whenever I'm looking at how can we stay true to ourselves in a world that is constantly trying to affirm certain restrictions, limitations, ideas, and beliefs on us, my my path for that is that number one, it's always a continual process. And number two, all of us have built-in mechanisms which actually can help us to stay aligned. One of those is our emotions. So our emotions are to me a signal that you are are bumping up against something where there's an opportunity for more revealing of your authentic yes. power, your authentic self. So they're never a negative thing, but it's you essentially bumping up against the wall of the box that you've been in. So when this happens a lot, what that's telling you is, hey, <laughs> you might be out of alignment and you're gonna be, keep being triggered in that pattern until you uncover the truth about yourself in that specific area as it relates to the pattern, then the trigger dissolves and you're no longer hyper-emotional about that experience. I completely agree. I've felt that on a deep personal level. I know my clients go through this and I love that you talked about free will. I think that's a really powerful way of putting it, but our egos can get involved or however you like to describe it. Let's call it ego. I think it can, maybe scary is not the right word, but it can feel scary or it can feel um, almost frustrating to really own that we have free will at times. Because I think our ego wants to say, no, I, I blame this person for my situation. And no, I, I want to put the blame on this experience that I've had in my life, or I'm stuck, or I'm not abundant in this way because of this, this, and this, and that. And so ego doesn't want us, I think, sometimes to know that we have free will to choose something new in any given moment or to embrace those emotions. And I understand that that's a process, but I wonder if you have found this in your life or how, when you work with your clients, how can we address the ego in that way to surrender to what that truth is, to the truth that we actually ultimately want to get to in those moments? For me, or my, my perspective is number one, this of course happens all the time. And sometimes we're just not even conscious of it. So the very first thing is getting aware that it's even happening, taking a few breaths, bringing yourself into the present moment and even realizing and recognizing that, oh, wow, this is a feeling of frustration. This is a feeling of, of fear, of discomfort, so on and so forth. That by itself, just the sheer 
awareness of something creates the beginnings of the transformation because now you're taking, because consciousness has to do with like personal responsibility. I'm taking personal responsibility because now I see Mm -hmm. it. The other thing as well that's really important is that we recognize that number one, we're not supposed to feel good all the time, that it's okay. Giving ourselves permission that it's okay that we don't feel great about something. And then I love to come to the question of like, what am I making this mean? So most of us are not well practiced in actually observing reality. We put all sorts of beliefs and perceptions and emotions on what we see. Oh yeah. (laughs) When we tell a story, right? It's like, so-and-so made me mad because they did da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, right? When actually the reality is you just observed a brief moment in time with that person and they were expressing something. But we try to, because the ego's very, um, it's focused on the individual. It's focused on keeping you separate from this other person so that you can have the human experience. It's going to tell you (laughs) that it's a personal thing, that Mm -hmm. they did something to you when really very often there's certain experiences that people are just having or certain behaviors that are coming out of their own patterning and also who we're being in those moments. So then we have to look at where is our power in this? Well, our power is in who we're being because we can't control what little Johnny did, right? We can look at, well, who was I being in that, in that moment? Who am I being now? And that will help bring you back down to a much more grounded and more sovereign state of being to get out of that fear, get out of that resistance to the reality that is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you use a really powerful word there, perception. And this year I've really been geeking out a little bit and diving into literally like the mechanics and science behind how our perception literally alters our universe. Like it's so fascinating. And I feel like I've probably only just skimmed the surface in comparison to maybe the insights that you have. I'd love you to speak into that for our listeners on how our perception of something and the story that we attach to it is literally altering the things that we see around us. Oh my gosh. Well, from a scientific perspective, there's so many different pieces of of evidence. The most popular, of course, is the split test, which a lot of people are familiar with. Anyone who's not, the basics of it is that scientists observed that when they shone a light through these two slits, that when there was an observer, it behaved differently than when there was no one perceiving what was happening. How crazy is that? Like, it's just so (laughs) incredible and so trippy. I just think it's so fascinating. Yeah. You know, it makes me think of, because I'm a, a former gamer. Wow. I'm a recovering gaming addict. But I, it makes me think about how in games you have an avatar, right? And that avatar is like moving through worlds. And in some games, you can see far off in the distance that it's like pixelated, that the world actually isn't even out there beyond what you can perceive mm. from your place as an avatar in the game. And I liken it to that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, we don't even, we literally cannot see beyond what is in our very limited perception. Scientists also have shown, and this kind of lines up with so many ancient spiritual teachings, that we're only perceiving like one to 2% of reality at any given time. Wow. (laughs) A minuscule, minuscule amount of what is actually happening is perceivable with our senses that we so rely on. Our, our sight, our hearing, our sense of smell, touch, right? So when I see that and I apply that to, well, what does that even mean in real life? It means that every single day we are having experiences that we are translating into a story, but also a personality. We're translating that into a personality, our identity, our ego constantly. And everyone else is doing that too. 
<laughs> we're all doing it. We're, we're all doing it all the time. And we're yeah. creating from that. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So whenever I look at certain situations, for example, I work a lot with um, so many feminine identified entrepreneurs and they'll see something like no one enrolled in my program. And that means I'm a failure. Mm-hmm. I should have done more. There's certain phrases that we can look at that are actually you telling a story around what the reality is. And you can choose, you don't have to, but you can choose to write a different story, which will then create something different in your Mm -hmm. experience. So for example, instead of making it mean that you're a failure, that no one enrolled in your program, it could be maybe you choose to make it mean that you had a few things to practice and learn before you were able to have a successful launch. What are those things that I had to learn? Oh, well, I learned this and I learned how to set up a funnel and I put myself out there. I you know, dealt with rejection, right? That is much more empowering. And now whenever you go to do that again, you're coming from a place of, well, I'm doing this as an expression of myself. I'm doing this because I'm, I'm learning and moving towards my successful launch. Yeah. And that then changes just to get to the mechanics of it, the reality of what is then reflected or projected back to us as a result. Yeah. I mean, we, we make it sound really woo-woo, right? Or really, really esoteric or spiritual or magical. And it's really not that magical. I mean, <laughs> all of us have had an experience of being around someone that was needy, for example, in, a, in mm-hmm. an energy of like, like I, I liken it to when I used to date. It's been a long time. Um, since I dated, I've been with my husband for 12 years. Congratulations. But back when I dated, I would go out to the club and there would be a guy that would come over and there would automatically, even before he started talking, there would be this needy energy mm-hmm. of like, can I have your number? Can I buy you a drink? You want to dance? <laughs> right. How likely am I to give him my number, a real one, right? Mm-hmm. No, I'm going to give him a fake number. <laughs> I'm going to like ah, run away, right? And we've all had an experience of someone who was just so magnetic because they were whole in themselves. They stopped, stepped into the room and we're like, whoa, who is that? 100%. That's the one I married. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Once that happened, I was like, oh, you're going to be mine. (laughs) Yes. Right? So this is happening to us all the time. We can see it often with like those extreme examples, but it's happening with with opportunities. It's happening with networking. It's happening with the kinds of people that are attracted to us. That will tell you a lot about who you're being and how you can shift to create a different reality. Mm, Absolutely. And I use exactly the same analogy when it actually comes to the energetics of money. I, I talk about neediness when it comes to that, because I ask if money were to describe the way it feels in your presence, in your relationship, how would it feel? Because 99% of the time when I first asked that before anyone's done money mindset work, they're like, oh my God, it would describe me as so needy or I play hot and then I play cold. And I'm like, well, if your dream guy was showing up on your doorstep saying like, I'm here for you, I've got flowers, I've got chocolates, and you just kept shutting the door in its face saying, you're not good enough, you're not good enough, you're still not good enough, which is what we project onto money. Like, how is it going to feel? Mm. And so I believe that we are in, a, in that energetic dance as well with money. And I would love, love, love if we could lean into that conversation around the topic of money and spirituality. And Maybe I should just ask you, like, right now, how would you describe your current relationship with money? Ooh, I love that. <laughs> I'm in a sensual seduction relationship with money. Oh, I felt that when you said it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm getting tingles just thinking about how sexy her relationship with money is. <laughs> yeah. It is a it is a very seductive relationship. I love that analogy. I've, I've done that with my clients because we talk about about energetics and money so much because I just I attract so many spiritual entrepreneurs who are like spirituality says I can't have money I can't enjoy luxury I can't da 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 and I'm like all of that was designed to keep you small stuck trapped servant 
none of that is benefiting you. But my perception of the energy of money is, is very similar that it's like the shamanic view is that everything is relationship. Mm. Everything is relationship. So the presence or abundance of the lack of the presence of money in your life is because there is a certain relationship that you are holding with money. So if it was, I mean, I do this a similar thing with my clients around like if it, if you were in a relationship with money, what would that look like? And it starts with where you are now, what you have now, what is your relationship with the things that you have purchased with money? How do you treat your living space, your clothing, your, uh, you know, the products that you put in your hair, the food that you eat and so on and so forth? Are you conscious about it? Are you allowing yourself to be grateful? I mean, I have like these little plants everywhere and every once in a while, I just, I just touch them and just get in gratitude that like, how amazing is it that I get to have a piece of like a living being that's just there to bring beauty in my life and to help cleanse my air. Yeah. It's those little things. If that was a relationship with a person, if someone does those little things for you and you're like grateful for them, well, they're like, oh, I want to give them everything. I want to give them more. Right. Exactly. Same thing with money. Completely. And I do, I do feel like, and I don't know if this is because my perception of it is shifting. I do feel somewhat we're starting to realize that we can have both spirituality and wealth, but there is still a lot of lingering beliefs around that um, on an energetic level. I mean, because I do discuss the power of money and the energetics of money a lot uh, in my community, like I'll sometimes, not regularly, but sometimes get comments like, thou shalt not worship false gods. Money is the root of all evil. We've heard these sayings and I couldn't like honestly disagree more with it from my perception. But as somebody who is very, very spiritual and you are quite open about talking about money too, I would love for you to just lean into that belief that so many people are attached to that you can't have one and the other at the same time and what that process has been like for you and your understanding. Yeah. I mean, for me, so much of my evolution has come just around dismantling certain beliefs. And I'm never a person who is like, this is the truth. This is what you need to believe. I do a lot of prefacing of like, this is just my perception right now. If it would serve you, I invite you to explore it, use your discernment. But if you believe that money is the root of all evil, and that's serving you, go for it. But if it's not, (laughs) your way of putting it, (laughs) if it's not serving you, because this is kind of back to that perception thing, then what is a perception that you can have of money that actually will serve you in your expansion? When I say serve, what I mean is that it allows for more growth, more evolution. It doesn't necessarily mean oh, if I evolve in this way, then I'm going to have millions of dollars. But what it can mean is that the money, the relationships, the opportunities, et cetera, that have been trying to come in will no longer be blocked because you have been blocking them because you've demonized them as evil. And you've had a lot of financial growth, as far as I'm aware, over the last couple of years and major up levels. Was there some deep inner work that had to take place for that. I know you've talked about like the secret that you wish more people knew about when it comes to those up levels and and the energy of money. And I wonder if you'd be willing to maybe share a taste of that secret today. Yes. Um, so the, I, I did this video because I did this huge in the past, like in the midst of the pandemic, I experienced a 34X growth wow. in my business. Huge up level. But even though that only happened in a year, that was the result of many, many, many micro shifts over time that had compounded. And so my secret to quantum leaping is that the quantum leap is happening in the small everyday 1% aligned actions that you're taking. Those 1% shifts that then you're bringing into reality. 
and they compound over time, just like interest, (laughs) just like interest does. I love that. Yeah. So yes, I had this huge growth, but it didn't come from just nowhere. And the truth is I'm still experiencing massive shifts, but now for me, number one, I love when they pop up because the more that you do this, the less you have to do it. (laughs) It seems, you know, it's still there, but you're not in it as much. So I always get excited when challenges pop up. But the thing for me now is I'm to a place where it's almost like the universe shows me myself before I get there. So it's this almost this reversal where at one point I was exploring and revealing more of myself in order to create a certain life, a certain goal, et cetera, where now I've shifted into this place where the universe brings forth like amazing opportunities, people who are beyond what I'm like, I'm like, wait, what, how am I calling in these amazing opportunities? And so now I'm like playing catch up with the universe. (laughs) Mm. It's a great place to be in. I'm not mad at it. Did you shift, like, was there a shift of perception or, or tools that you were using, or is it the compound interest effect where you've noticed that shift? It, for sure, the majority of it is the compounding little bit at a time. There are some key moments though, and I feel like everyone has some like key moments. One of my big ones, especially around money, was the realization that, that number one, money is really relative what $100 means to us right now versus what it meant 100 years ago is very different. And even today, what $100 means to someone who earns $15,000 a year versus someone who earns $15 a year, the perception of that $100 is different. So what that allowed for me was to open up to me what was possible in the realm of business creation and pricing and creating my offers. Because instead of being tied to, I need to fit what already exists out there. I looked at, well, what is the most magnificent transformation that I can offer? And who would that align with the most? And what would that be worth investing? What would the dollar amount be associated with that for that particular kind of person? not for everybody. Wow. Yeah. And that led to me creating my first six figure offer, which of course propelled my business. (laughs) And then on an energetic level, by approaching it that way, really what you're signaling is this is what I'm available for. And you're therefore calling in that reality because you're perceiving it that way. And you're giving them permission to perceive it that way too, which is just like linking up everything that we've been talking about. It's almost like, do you feel like you almost like transformed what your perception of that dollar amount was? You looked at it in a different way, which meant that your energy or vibrational energy and frequency around it shifted too. Absolutely. And I think also the main shift in perception was not even just around how I was perceiving money, but opening myself up to that everyone has a different perception of money. Right. And that there are certain qualities and characteristics that do come into play with how we perceive money. But by understanding those patterns, I could just create the possibility of, because I mean, I created the six figure offer before I sold it. It just lived on a piece of paper. And I just opened up the possibility of like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Like, are you kidding me for only a hundred thousand dollars? Someone could have this kind of transformation and for the right person, that is literally everything to them. It's going to create millions, if not billions for them. And also the way that they live their existence is going to be completely different. So it lived on paper and I was like, so excited. And so like, duh, anyone who would be aligned with this would be a fool not to take this amazing offer because it's a no brainer. Right. And then shortly after that, I mean, it was only a few weeks later that one enrolled. I wasn't quite like, oh yeah, this is six figures. So she enrolled at like Mm (laughs) 54,000. And then the next was at like 96. And then after that, it was like 120,000. And of course, now I have a multiple six-figure offer that lives on my website and it's there. So 
going in that direction of just opening up the possibility. Yeah. What's the worst that could happen? And telling yourself the, a different story around it. Like when you're creating your offer, not, oh my God, this feels like a really big up level. Okay. This feels really stretchy. Okay. Let's see if somebody buys at this price point. Your story was, they're a fool not to. I'm going to show up with the power and authenticity around this. I feel aligned with it. And you can't help but attract that back to you when you show up with that power, which is just amazing. Yeah. And that power, I mean, I'm not going to lie. That power didn't just like come out of thin air. I sat and I cranked out evidence for myself. Mm. And that was like evidence coming from past work with clients, my own experience, really researching other people's experience that kind of um, mirrored what was likely to happen for these clients that then gave me the evidence that helped me to feel assured in it so that I could come from that place of self-assurance and confidence and not just like, well, I'm new at this and see if you're going to like it. Da, 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 da. I was very confident in my ability to provide this transformation in that year period of time. And I was just open to whoever was going to come along that was like, that's for me. Yeah, I love that. And it was a process. Do you, I know that this is something that you talk about. Do you feel very supported or connected to your ancestors when you're on that journey and, and on your journey at the moment and how that relates to you? Yeah. So one of the core pillars of being a shaman and also just interacting or, or existing and living from a paradigm that is from an ancient spiritual system or an indigenous worldview is the core principle of ancestral veneration, ancestral connection. And there's a spiritual component to that. Absolutely. But I also look at it from a view of it really is honoring and venerating the self because there's no aspect of us that is just us. Mm -hmm. There's literally, I mean, I'm looking at you now, you're looking at me like, this is not my nose. These are not my lips. All of this is the result of some DNA that was passed down. And so, yes, there's a soul in here, but also there's this, I'm this conglomeration of ancestors. So a lot of people have a lot of fear around ancestors, especially from the spiritual side, but that's like just fearing yourself because those patterns that they had, both good and bad are manifesting in you. So when you can bring some consciousness and awareness to that aspect of yourself, then you can begin to move through some of those patterns that were showing up in your lineage that are no longer serving. But you can also tap into the wisdom, the gifts, the experiences that they had that literally is imprinted in your DNA. Mm. That's why I'm so fascinated about what your view is on this, because I know I've heard you speak about the wisdom that um, they bring to us and the connection. But I also have had the experience myself and I've worked through generational trauma with my clients and actually having to cleanse them of some very deep rooted beliefs that they've inherited. And like, what is that balance? And how can we find that balance between the both as we ascend in what we are currently manifesting in our bodies, in our lifetime, in this reality? Yeah. Um, the, the first thing is, a lot of the limiting beliefs and blocks and um, destructive patterns that we've inherited are the result of our ancestors' humanity. Mm. So I think it's important to remember that, that they also were humans, that they also had experiences, that they also were just trying to survive and cope like us. Yes. Oh, such a good way of putting it. I have chills. Yeah. Like, oh my God, that's the best way to explain it. <laughs> yes. So many of the beliefs that we've inherited, maybe they no longer serve us, but they may have served our ancestors at a, at a period of time because of whatever they were going through. So I see it almost as like, you know, if you're running track and they're passing the baton, we now just have the baton of determining, okay, is this pattern that I inherited of frugalness, for example, I have like my great grandmother and great grandfather went through the great depression and frugalness was a survival mechanism, right? Yeah. Is that serving me now? 
No, I don't have to demonize it because it served them. But I also don't have to hold fast to it if it's not serving me now. So granting grace and understanding of human beings will help you to integrate. This is not about an either or. It's about both and. You're always going to be moving through some of those beliefs and also um, activating the wisdom and, and the gifts in your being. And it's a both and. You need all of it. Mm, absolutely. I really love that way that you're explaining it because I've never looked at it that way that they like me, they like us, we're going through their human experience. What I also take that to mean is that's also where the wisdom comes from because they have whoever the they is ascended and have a deeper maybe understanding or outlook that we can also, I'm assuming, connect to and understand on a deeper level and, and they can gift us with that awareness. So that's you perfectly explain how I now see that it gets to be both. Do you regularly communicate or feel connected with your ancestors? Is that really a big part of your journey? Oh, for sure. At this point, it's like there's not a separation between my spiritual practice and my life. My life is spirit. It's always there. So because I'm always, I mean, maybe not when I'm consciously trying to not be, but because I am so much now in flow, I'm open to receiving insight and messages and knowings and wisdom from them all the time. And because I am open to receiving it all the time, I receive it all the time, whether that be through some signs and synchronicities that come through, whether it comes through like just these words that just come flowing out of my mouth. When I do even these, I don't prepare for them because I know that I'm in connection and in flow and that they are going to support me and bring that wisdom into my body and allow it to come out and be expressed in my energy, not just in my words, but the energy behind what I'm saying is going to come through because of that ongoing connection. There's not a way for me to be a shaman and also not have an ancestral connection. They have to go together. Right. I don't know why that just made me feel really emotional hearing you speak about it in that way. I just think that's so powerful. And, you know, you are so connected in that way, but what would you say, or how can we support someone listening who really is ready to open themselves up to that new level of connection? How can we start seeing the synchronicities, seeing the nudges, feeling the nudges, listening to the nudges, feeling that connection to source and ancestor, what could we start doing? Maybe it's, you know, what I'm hearing myself say, I'm like, it's not doing, it's being. <laughs> I always want a list of doingness. I'm like, oh God, not another list. But yeah. how can we energetically open up to that? Yeah, it's so funny because um, the way that I understand intuition is that intuition is really the voice of the ancestors. It's, it's really the voice of, of spirit. And there are different levels to this, but a lot of it is in the body, in what we, what we would call in our, in, in the Zulu lineage that I was initiated into, it's like in the bones, which is where DNA is created. So we kind of perceive it as that getting in touch with your intuition is not so much about the doing, doing things, but more of the releasing that, which is limiting you. So that can be as simple as calming your thoughts. <laughs> It could be as simple as listening to your emotions, right? But also that we have some specific practices that can help as well. Some of my absolute favorite, which is just very simple, is to just begin by validating and recognizing that you are a being, that you are a, a conglomeration of ancestors in this moment right now. And also you are an ancestor to thousands of descendants, millions of descendants that have yet to be born, right? And so recognizing that, holding the intention, you can light just a white candle and just sitting with that awareness. Um, we have a practice where we just give a small piece of our food as an offering, as a remembrance, a remembering of that component of ourselves before we eat or a glass of water. And just set it to the side. It could be, you know, maybe your grandma's favorite 
cake or something, just to take a brief moment in your day to recognize how amazing and important it is. I have a little graph that I show clients of how many ancestors they have. Because when we think of ancestors, we think of maybe three or four generations back. Yeah. Oh my God. Like how far back does it really go? Millions. It's insane when you think about it. (laughs) Yes. Like when you sit and you calculate the numbers and you look at the numbers, you have millions. And that's only parental, right? That's only mom, dad, their mom, dad, mom, dad, mom, dad, right? Also, they had children, cousins, nieces, nephews, and da 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 da, right? It's amazing to look at and to just be in awe of. And when I look at that, and when you say that, it honestly connects me to the energy of just how much support is behind us. Like all of that energy, all of those beings and souls and those connections are literally supporting us, like are literally behind us. And I just think if we knew that as our truth, like how would our decision-making be different? How would we show up differently? What power would we stand in? Yeah, there's a reason why it's been demonized to honor your ancestors. Really? It's not an accident. Wait, okay. Tell us, please, because that is like, oh, drop the mic moment. (laughs) Yeah, it's not an accident. So if you look at history and what was happening approximately 2000 years ago when when religions were really born, Mm -hmm. there was this key component around labeling what some call ancestral worship, but it's really just veneration. It's really just the honoring of where you came from that had to be demonized because this is the source of number one, you, your authentic self, number two, your intuition. So if I am a Roman emperor and I want you to go and conquer other lands, I need you to believe me and what I say, right? I cannot have you trusting in your intuition. I can't have you trusting the knowledge and wisdom that came from the generations before you and the traditions and the ways of of doing things. I need to be able to have a mechanism of communication where I'm the one in charge. So that's why we saw so much church and state at the head, church and government together, because It had to be that way in order to essentially get people on board. If you are in touch with your intuition, you innately know that it's not okay to go kill people. Yeah. So I have to find ways to get you to distrust that aspect of you and put you into fear, play into fear. These people are trying to attack you. These people hate your democracy. These people, da, 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 da. And we still see it happening today. For sure. Like, I'm probably not going to go down that can of worms, but like, hello. (laughs) Welcome to everything that plays out in the world even today. And so the key takeaway from that is the power lives within us and that the way to counteract fear really is at the seat of our intuition and that knowing. Yeah. So I... It's funny because people are like, oh, you're just like so... You seem so sweet and... And I'm like, what I'm sharing, if you really understand what I'm putting down is a very dangerous notion. This is a revolutionary understanding that if people really grasp and become is how we change worlds. Absolutely. It is the most powerful thing when you have an army of people, an quote unquote army of people who are sovereign, who are like, no, actually... (laughs) This doesn't sit right in my spirit to do this. No, I'm not signing up for that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm with you on that one. Do you see that shifting? Do you feel that when you're connected to source? Do you see that, I want to say, homecoming to source happening on an evolutionary level at the moment? Yes. The evidence of that is that we are in the extreme. Yeah, exactly. So whenever I see that there's an extreme happening, we are seeing the extreme on one end to the degree of what's possible on, on the other. 
So to me, I'm seeing evidence that humanity is beginning to experience the polarity of like, oh, we really don't want this. Well, what's the other option, right? If we just look at the past year or so, there were so many people who felt like they had no control, like they had no power, they had no sovereignty, right? So now what are they going to look for? Sovereignty and power. Yeah. True power. Absolutely. Do you ever connect with, I know that you feel, and I love that, that support from the ancestors that have been, do you ever find yourself connecting to future souls, future versions of even you? All the time. All the time. That fascinates me. (laughs) So the way, the way in which divination works, number one, we, we can see root causes of issues. But for myself, one of my roles is as what you would call a a soothsayer or an oracle or a seer. And I see what's coming very often on, because my my role here, my calling really has to do with large numbers of people and how we're moving. So I for sure see it. But whenever I'm seeing what is likely to come, there are infinite possibilities So what I'm seeing is based on the patterns and the trajectory, I'm seeing the most likely unfolding that's incoming, that's going to occur. So sometimes just by the simple awareness of it, that can shift it. And also depending on, because humans can be funny, sometimes the awareness of it can actually shift them off of it, (laughs) shift them off that track because they're like, oh, well, I don't need to do anything because it's going to happen. And it's like, no, it was going to happen because you were taking actions towards that destination. Yeah, of course. So it's yeah. a very tricky thing for me. I don't talk about the future a whole lot. You'll hear me hint at certain things sometimes because I can see it. But what I'm being very careful with is understanding how humans work and making sure that I'm not expressing things in a way where people will be like, oh, well, it's going to be utopia. So I can just like chill and just wait for it to happen the same way that so many people are like, oh, well, one day I'm going to die and go to heaven. Whole time they're making hell on earth. Mm, Yeah. With that, and I, 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 without going down the whole path of what even time actually is or means, can we on an individual level use that, that power to call in or step into the most empowered future version of ourselves. Like I will often visualize, okay, who is my most abundant self? What is my wealthiest quote unquote life out there? And I will feel her, I will see her, I'll experience her. Is that something that we can even call in by stepping into, by by seeing that? Absolutely, absolutely. So this understanding of, I was very, uh, I put a little nugget in there when I said that we also are the ancestor of many descendants and also time is an illusion. So there's also many timelines that we can access and call into our, our experience now if we so choose to. So we can use that experience, whether it's through visualization, my, um, my way of doing things, I love visualization, but I love embodiment. So Mm -hmm. taking that visualization and the energy of that aspect of yourself and then becoming it, like bringing it into now, who would you be? How would you get dressed? How would you hold your body? How would you eat? And so on and so forth. If that was your experience now, and then it brings that into your experience. So anyone can do that. You know, these things that I, I speak about are not only me, yeah. We all have access to varying degrees of these innate human abilities. Yeah. They're very natural. Absolutely. That's a perfect way to end the podcast that we all have these natural natural supernatural abilities that we're reconnecting to and re-empowering ourselves with. This has been an absolute pleasure and I could ask you 500 more questions, honestly, but I'm going to respect your time. Um, Thank you so much for sharing your light and your truth with this amazing podcast, uh, with this amazing podcast. Thank you for sharing your amazing truth and light with our listeners on the podcast. Um, Before we end, where can people find you and learn more about you and, and your work and what you do? 
Well, this is an amazing podcast. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> like, what do I say? I'm calling it in, right? <laughs> you are calling it in. It is. It already is here, honey. Here. Um, but yeah, anyone can find me. I'm usually on, on the Instagrams at the Royal Shaman, or also you can visit my, my website at theroyalshaman.com. Those are really the best places to find me. Amazing. Thank you so, so much for joining us. I am so grateful to you. If you loved today's episode, please be sure to leave a review on iTunes and hit the subscribe button because women supporting women is my jam. And if you want extra daily doses of motivation, then be sure to follow me on Instagram at girl underscore unfiltered and go ahead and screenshot this episode. Send me a DM and share your biggest takeaway because I love hearing from you and I just really want to drop into your DMs basically. (laughs) So I'm sending you so much love and abundance and have an amazing day.